Muppet fans, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And hey, our guest from last week is back. Guest, who are you? I am Jared Fairclough, and I am your boss, and here's a performance review, and that joke again. <laughs> Jared, Fair- Jared Fairclough from ToughPigs.com. And only ToughPigs.com. Never any other Muppet website. <laughs> Great. Exactly right. Welcome Muppet back. fan probs back from like 2013. Oh, yeah. That's still out there, yeah, right? That. That, that, that Twitter account still exists? It still exists, but I haven't touched it in 2013. I've got to imagine it's awful. But anyway. All right. Everybody go check that out. Um, well, today, Jared is here with us to talk about minutes 9 and 10 of The Muppet Christmas Carol, in which Scrooge arrives at work and is very mean. So uh, we pick up uh, right at the end here with the, the crowd of Londoners dispersing as Scrooge glowers at them from last time. And he says his first line of dialogue, humbug. There it is. This is like Scrooge's catchphrase. Like everybody knows that Scrooge is always saying humbug and bah humbug. Right. So, so, so they just give it, give us what we want right off the top here. So of course I checked. And in the book, Scrooge says the word humbug seven times. And okay. he doesn't say it here. Like he doesn't stop outside the door just to say it, of course. He says no, it for, there would be no reason right, for He says to. it for the first time. I don't think Mr. Curly Twirly is in uh, the book, so he probably has no reason to. <laughs> Um, he says it for the first time to his nephew, Fred, shortly, though. And uh, in total, he says humbug seven times, all in the first stave. So the book is split into five long chapters, which are called staves. And he only says yeah. it in the first one and then never, never again. Because he's already, he's already ha- having a change of heart. He's not going, well, yeah, he's not going end, to see he's, his child at home. Even when he like, goes back to see the school and sees his sister, he's not like, humbug, oh, my sister, the only person yeah. I ever liked, you know. I I wonder if this is the kind of thing where it was one of those earlier movie adaptations or something like that, that that sort of um, got everybody familiar with that to to assume that, oh yeah, that's just something that Scrooge, uh, that that Ebenezer Scrooge says all the time. But he does say it seven times in the chapter, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's enough for a catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is this the first, like, big um, sort of big screen adaptation of it. Like I know there'd been like TV specials kidding? and stuff, oh. but is this the first big film? No, no, no. There's a there's a 1938 MGM film with Reginald Owen. There's a 1951 mm-hmm. film uh, made in England with uh, Alistair Sim, which is like kind of the like that's like the famous one. That's the one that was on TV okay. all the time okay. in like the 60s and 70s. And then um, yeah, and there's a musical with Albert Finney in 1970 called Scrooge. So those are the three okay. big theatrical films before this. But it's funny because nowadays when people think of Muppet, uh, not Muppet Christmas Carol, of course, but when people think of the Christmas Carol, everyone goes, oh yeah, the Muppet one. Yeah, right. This yeah. is like, this is the big one. Right, like, yeah, for, for people who were yeah. children when it came out or younger, I think so, yeah. Which yeah. just shows what a what a canny idea it was to do this as the, the first big it's, post-gen Muppet movie. Yeah, it's been very heartening um, in the past 12 and a half years to see that Robert Zemeckis's motion capture version with Jim Carrey has not supplanted it and is not beloved by anyone. Yeah. It's very bad. Well, it's because... It's I, I got to, if, you, 
if you watch it, there's nothing. To, it's just the book, and the book is fine, but it's not that interesting. It's, At least the Muppets did something I mean, with I, it, made a bit of a comedy. And I mean, I couldn't disagree more about the quality of the book. It's one of my favorite novels of all time. But also, <laughs> that movie decides, like you say, the Muppets added comedy. The Zemeckis movie adds like Scrooge shrinks down to the size of a mouse and slides around on drain pipes Ugh. and stuff. Like it's not. It's not comedy. It's not comedy, and it's not in the book, and it's, like, against the spirit of the book, I would say. You know, whereas this one, like, the comedy yeah, yeah. blends in with the spirit of the book very well, I think. Yeah. Overall. Um, the, I mean, the, this... the shrinking down thing would be great in an episode of I Dream of Genie. Right, right. We've, we've talked about this a little bit on past episodes. This podcast is going to be, like, 43 episodes of me geeking out about that book, because I adore it. Yeah. Like, I, bought the, I bought the annotated Christmas Carol by Michael Patrick Hearn just to talk about it on the podcast every time every time mm-hmm. and i like that now we've talked about other you just listed i think four other actors who have played scrooge in other adaptations right so, and i didn't even say the best go. one george c scott in the 1984 tv movie so i think that's the first non mickey mouse non bugs bunny non muppet version that i saw i think we watched that like on the last day of you know the last day of school before Christmas vacation one year when I was in elementary school. Right. Well, I mean, it rules. David Warner plays Bob Cratchit. Like, you can't... Oh, yeah. you, I mean, can't I didn't know that. who he was back then, but right. yeah, no, I, I, I remember thinking it was a good one, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so Scrooge enters his office, which still has the, the nameplate Scrooge and Marley on it. I do wonder, there were two Marleys, but I guess they were... They were uh, yeah, they didn't have Scrooge have... and Marley and Marley. Oh, they might wanted or to... Or Marley uh, and Scrooge and Marley. Marley and Scrooge and Marley. They might have wanted to keep that, though, for the surprise of it being Statler and Waldorf. Spoiler alert. Um, right. Although, Gonzo... Although Gonzo has already said the Marleys were dead to begin yeah. with, so we know there are two of them. Yeah, or, good point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, at this point, Rizzo and Gonzo are standing outside of the office. Rizzo comments on Scrooge's unpleasantness. Gonzo says he was a tight-fisted hand to the grindstone, Scrooge. Which I assume that's got to be Dickens' text, right? Well, that's what I was going to say is this is another example of Jerry Jewell being so brilliant at adapting the book because in the book that's actually all part of the same paragraph. That and the last, it's, oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. And then a little later, he's going to say a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained, and solitary as an oyster. That's all one paragraph. Oh, he switched it around. Okay. Yeah. So So it's it's Jerry Jewel playing with it, you know? And I think really like making it come alive for that reason. Yeah. Because we think about every every one of those words, every one of those lines more, because it's not, it's not one speech, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, we, we can't have Gonzo just, like, talking to us for a minute straight without anything happening. Right. So uh, he's going to continue talking about Scrooge as he watches him through the window, but the window is so grimy because the city is so dirty that he can't even see in, and Gonzo picks up Rizzo and wipes the window with him. And here is where we have perhaps one of the, I don't know, top five most useful Muppet movie quotes for real life Rizzo says thank you for making me a part of this oh yeah I use that in my everyday life yeah I, I use this all the time yeah. it's just anytime somebody recruits you to 
do something that you didn't necessarily sign up for. Yeah, I literally said it three days ago at work. Someone was doing something, and I'm like, yeah, well, thank you for making me a part of this. Right. Well, and of course, it's. I think it's... I I don't know if this is your experience. I know for me, it's burned into my brain because it's in the trailer. Uh, And the trailer for this movie was on the start of the VHS tapes for Muppet Family Christmas, the Fraggle Rock videos that came out in 1993. um, Sure. Probably other stuff that I'm not thinking... But, like, I've seen this movie a lot of times. I've definitely seen the trailer many more times just as a child just from watching those tapes you know yeah and that's that's rizzo's big line in the trailer is thank you for making me a part of this i say it quite often to my cat my cat likes to uh like sit on the couch just above my head and start cleaning himself and like knocks my head with his foot and i will say more than once yeah thank you for making me a part of this um it's always bothered me in that shot that he picks up Rizzo and starts cleaning him, and then they cut to inside, and you see, like, the outside of it. And now the window is completely clean, and it just cuts like that. And I'm like, it always bothered me that, like, there's not just a couple of little grimy marks at the top. And I get why they had to do that, but it's just one of those little movie mistakes, like continuity issues that I'm like, notice you're it every it, time. You're saying it looks too clean? Well, so so he picks him up. Like there should still be a few more little. Well, so Gonzo picks up Rizzo and starts cleaning him, and in that one shot, you start to see the bottom of the window get cleaned, but then yeah. they immediately cut to the next shot, and the window is now completely clean, and then it cuts back again to Rizzo to say thank you for making me a part of this, <laughs> and the window just doesn't stay the same amount of. Uh, grimy in each shot and it just okay. it's one of those little things that every like i remember i noticed it when i was like 10 and just i'm now 33 and it's been 23 years and i'm still going doesn't look right you notice doesn't it every time doesn't cut together well <laughs> yeah well that's because uh reza is not not actually a good cleaning tool i guess <laughs> he's no magic eraser he's not that is correct <laughs> Uh, so Gonzo finishes this this uh, sort of little speech describing Scrooge. As Scrooge enters his counting house, there's this nervous-looking customer sitting there. It's just this this little whatnot. Who um, I believe is the same. It might have one or two slight tweaks, but I think is the same puppet as the puppeteer from the Punch and Judy bit in Scrooge. Oh, that makes oh. sense. Yeah. They With look exactly the same, different, different, slightly outfit, different wig, so. and even then the wig's pretty similar, but slightly different, and the eyelids are a slightly different color. Okay, yeah, yeah. they could just redress them, yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, one's Steve Whitmire, and this one's Jerry Nelson. Yes, yes. Uh, Anthony, did you describe, was this the, the character you described uh, earlier as uh, a church puppet looking guy? Yeah, I think he looks like such a church puppet. <laughs> like he just has that like very just generic the, look his mouth is kind of a little the too very wide, wide yeah, yeah. Mouth. yeah. <laughs> uh so scrooge uh calls to, to bob cratchit to ask him what's going on and who do we have playing bob cratchit it's kermit the frog and who this do we have playing kermit the frog steve whitmire for the first time in a major production gonna say this would have been the very first time most of the world saw the new kermit yeah. Yes, most of the world. Yeah, other than people who saw who saw the, the celebrate Jim Henson, special, yeah, where he has like three lines. He's barely in it. Yeah, I. Th- so I said this on that episode, but I think Steve is so great as Kermit in this movie. I think it's like yeah. one of his best ever performances in the role. Yeah, and part of That's, that is that he I has would probably all the... agree with that. Just yeah, as a, as a general performance, yeah. Right, and part of it is that he's like it's it's Bob Cratchit. It's 
it's material that was 150 years old at the time. Like it, it was proven, you know. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. He's not well, just playing Kermit backstage or whatever. Like Jim Henson played it, right? It has to be new, right? And he's he's not like that at all here because this is very much, and it's again partly because he is playing a character, but this is very much nice guy Kermit. Right. I, I don't know if he does. He do anything funny or whimsical i guess the christmas scat song he sings later is yeah that's whimsical that that's and whimsical. he does his uh he does his like ice skating bit a little yeah, bit later on but that doesn't but he's yeah really but he's not like too wacky jokes. or anything yeah he does very little to no jokes i think the funniest part of him in this whole film is when scrooge at the end says and i'd like to raise your salary and he just does that look he just freezes and mm-hmm. it's a very funny little pose um, which, if you get the uh, storybook of this movie, uh, Luke Flowers picked that exact shot and did yeah. a very good job of transcribing, uh, not transcribing, um, sort of translating, capturing. yeah, capturing that look in illustrator form. Yeah, uh, I'd argue that's so Kermit's gorgeous, so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll bring that up uh, yeah. again as we continue to go through the movie, but yeah. Yeah, so they've made a, a very deliberate de- decision here to give Kermit what is essentially a supporting role because Steve Whitmire was new to playing the character. Well, have you spoken about the original pitch for this movie? We did. We where, did a little bit of the, the original idea, yeah. Yeah, which John, I John probably John's always the about, ghost like, of Christmas Future and stuff. Muppets yeah. would have been the ghosts, yeah. 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 So I, I don't remember, was what, like, do you know what Kermit's role in that would have been? Or was it pretty similar? I would think he's Bob Cratchit, right? I, I don't know what else. Yeah, I don't do know if I've heard anything different for Kermit. Okay. In this, but yeah, uh, and going back to other adaptations again, um, the role of Bob Cratchit has also been played by Mickey Mouse, Porky Pig, Barney Rubble as Bob Craggett in the Flintstones. Waka Waka. <laughs> and in the Rich Little special, it was Rich Little as Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit. I oh, just <laughs> don't like Listen, Rich Little. Listeners cannot see this, but Jared looks so disgusted every time Ryan mentions so Rich disgusted. Little. So disgusted. As you should. Rich Little is a bad one of person the first and a bad things, impressionist. But... One of the very first things I ever wrote for Tough Pigs was about Years that ago. Ep- And I'm talking, this is 2013, I think, when the and very first things I ever wrote. Reviewed- the Muppet Show one episode at a time. It was before that. Yeah, that episode, I, I had to review that under the title of the worst Muppet Show episode of all time. Right. And, well, and I and, just, the bit where he's like doing the impressions of the Muppets and they have to like, oh my God, that's not my, like, that's not me saying that. That's Rich Little. <laughs> and it sounds nothing like him. It's horrendous. That dude well, is a you, hack. You and I have something in common. Which is that I also reviewed that one for Tough Picks when we did the episode. Yes, you did. My wife Roz and I wrote it together because she wanted to because it's her least favorite episode. Because Rich Little is canonically her least favorite entertainer in the world. Wow. She has. Do you guys know sucks. Do you guys know Starro the? I've the heard the name. DC Comics villain who's a giant starfish that sticks on people's face, makes little starfishes that stick yes. on people's faces. My yeah, it wasn't that he the, was the villain in the new Suicide in Squad? The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. But years ago, Roz described. Starro as the rich little of the Justice League. Oh, <laughs> she, goes, she goes, oh, I'm so scary. I'm a starfish. Oh, I'm so good at doing impersonations. No, you're terrible. Go away. What's her? What's her? No, I, just, I just have nothing nice to say about Rich Little. No, he's bad. He's bad news. Anyways, um, on the topic of Bob Cratchit. And, and, and yet, for some reason, he thought 
I, I shouldn't say and yet, but for some reason he thought that Paul Lind made sense as his casting to play Bob Cratchit. I don't know. I guess it's he doesn't just, really. It's just something to. He, it's just a voice to do that he can. Yeah, I guess he do. didn't put much that. I've just that, I've so. just pulled up your uh, yours and Ross's uh, review of that, and my favorite part is at the end you've written best joke Kermit calling Ruth Little a master impressionist. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, though. Uh, oh, thank you. Horrendous. Um, I, I was going to say, though, on the topic of Bob Cratchit, in the 1984 movie, it's it's movie villain David Warner, as I mentioned, the villain from oh, yeah. Tron and Time Bandits and Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, right? Hmm. And in, um, in the 1999 movie, it's Roger Rees, who I think is also pretty much best known as villains, right? He's um, he's I don't know the who that is. bad guy in the Mel Brooks Robin Hood movie, and oh okay, oh of course yeah, yeah. Uh, man talks. You know what I'm talking I, I about, right? Picture, the the I... sheriff of Rottingham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, um, but he was like on Cheers. He was like the Rebecca's rich boyfriend, Robin on Cheers. Whatever, but like oh okay, it's like an arrogant guy. But those guys play villains all the time, and they play Bob Cratchit very sweetly and tenderly. Both of them. Well, so, so does like if you. Uh, that's what actors can do. He's in the uh, in the Jim Carrey one. He's um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman in yeah. very creepy, yeah, uncanny valley. Gary Oldman face. Well, because Gary Oldman also plays Tiny Tim, and it looks like Gary Oldman. That's yeah, even weirder. It's a creepy. It's like a film. mini. It's a mini Gary Oldman, and it's bad. It's not good. It's not a good movie. Yeah. No. I, I look forward to the talking about that two minutes at a time. That's the last <laughs> Robert Zemeckis movie I've seen. Nothing. Nothing made me want to come back. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I skipped right over that one, which. But you've seen like... Welcome to Marwin and all that stuff. I saw Welcome to Marwin in the theater <laughs> because I heard it was like a, an, an awful, like a disaster of absurd proportions. And I was like, man, I got to see this thing before it leaves theaters. Okay. Anyway, and was it worth, was it worthwhile? I think so. Yes. That was in the movie pass days. So I, I didn't have to actually pay extra money to see it. I oh, just sure. got to use my movie pass. Um, this movie didn't come out in the movie past days, though. Uh, this movie is Muppet Christmas Carol, in which uh, Scrooge asks uh, Bob Cratchit who this guy in the office is. It's Mr. Applegate. He's here to speak to Scrooge about his mortgage. Scrooge does not say anything to Mr. Applegate. He doesn't say any other lines. He just... Uh... So, well, Mr. Applegate proceeds to speak uninterrupted for 27 seconds of this clip while Scrooge kind of goes and puts some stuff down at his desk and then... He comes back and picks up Mr. Applegate by his collar, goes to the door, opens the door, and tosses Mr. Applegate outside in the snow without saying anything. So Scrooge has only had a few lines here, and already we know so much about him just from the way that other people react to him and the way that he reacts to other people. He's a mean guy. Well, and this, like, the thing that struck me watching this two minutes at a time, this scene is so much harsher than anything mm. in the first three movies, by far. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's yeah. like a man talking about how his daughter is sick. His daughter's lungs don't work right. His yeah. daughter's lungs don't work right. And, and how much Scrooge, like money he's having to spend on like the doctor takes his share, don't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and Scrooge just picks him up and silently throws him out. And he doesn't want to hear it. The, the, I, I truly believe that the reason it's not overwhelming and the reason it doesn't feel like too much is because whether we know the name Jerry Nelson or not, 
we we are ingrained to hear that voice and know it's a Muppet voice and know this is like the Muppets talking. Yeah. You know? So it's just yeah. like it doesn't seem as harsh. And because, I think like that could be a, a fiddle player on the Muppet show or something. And I and think we know right. that. though in hindsight as well for us we know what's about to come, which is one of the best lines as well in this film, which is, thank you for not shouting at me. Yeah, right. it's great. And that really cuts the tension. That's the joke. And But we know that's right. coming, so I wonder if we don't see that as harsh because we know the punchline to the joke. So I wonder if someone who hadn't seen this before, what they would think of this scene before you showed them the thank you for not shouting at me bit. Right. Well, and I think that that, that, that line, the thank you for not shouting me thing, I think, is such a good example of the way that this movie uses humor in a way that doesn't break the tone and still yeah. mm-hmm. basically feels like a Christmas carol. I um I saw this film at uh, so we've got uh we've got the Australian Centre of the Moving Image. It's up in Melbourne, and it's this big uh, space where they quite often have exhibitions. And a few years ago, they had like a big Jim Henson. Um, festival where they played a bunch of old Muppet clips and Muppet movies and a couple of people came out for it um and one of the things they did was they played Muppet Christmas Carol and I went and saw it and the laugh that that line got was one of the biggest laughs of the whole film I think because Uh it cuts that tension of just how horrible this line is and also the way the surround sound system worked it perfectly came from behind us just thank you for not shouting at me and it was just like a really cool moment and so, yeah, I just wonder if because that tension was cut, people are like, oh, it's like it's the same as like Toy Story three, right? All those toys are going towards the incinerator towards the end, and then the claw comes up, picks them up, and the punchline is that the three aliens go the claw, like in the first film. And I remember yeah. sitting in the cinema having the same reaction that everyone else had. Which was, ha 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 because yeah, it's cut well, that tension. Like that yeah, moment. it's cut that yeah. tension, and so this has the same. I mean, obviously not to the same effect, but this has the same sort of effect. I think that line yeah. of just the punchline cuts the tension. Yeah, yeah, they're really striking a, a great balance here. Yeah, this scene is also about the time when we discover that all of Scrooge's other employees, besides Bob Cratchit, are rats. They're right, all which, scribbling in their little rat ledgers with their little rat quill pens. Which, of course, like, if we stop to think about, like, j- I just said that the movie doesn't break the tone of A Christmas Carol. But one thing that really breaks the tone of A Christmas Carol is famously stingy Ebenezer Scrooge employs, you know, X number of unnecessary rat <laughs> employees, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's no reason for him to have a bookkeeping staff that is, like, nine people or whatever, but... It's fun because it's fun to see the oh, rats yeah. scribbling away, yeah. like you say. And so, so it's worth it. It doesn't really matter. This, this era, and maybe this is cross like overlapping one more than one era of the Muppets. But this era of the Muppets is a good time to be a rat. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they they kind of started showing up in the later seasons of the Muppet Show, and then and the Muppets Take Manhattan, they kind of emerged as this part of the ensemble, mm-hmm. and they actually actually get to do some some funny stuff and so by this time it kind of feels like when the the muppet people were approaching this movie they were like okay how do we fit the rats in this time yeah and then they do that again in 
in the next two movies. In the next actually. two movies, yeah. Muppets from yeah. Space is very like rat we gotta heavy have well. a we gotta have a group of rats. What do we you know? How do we fit them in this time? So, yeah. uh, it's also cool that um, I guess probably most or all of the Muppet performers are playing different rats in the scene. You can kind of pick out the voices. One sounds um, one of them suspiciously like Rizzo. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's what I was just going to say. One of them is Steve Whitmire playing a different rat, but doing a similar voice. Maybe it's Rizzo's brother. Well, I don't we, know. I was going to say, we know in this movie, Rizzo has 1,274 brothers and sisters. Right. So that's one no of them. There's no reason one of them can't work there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, people say my brother and, and I sound alike, so why not? When your brother came on this podcast, I was floored by how similar you sound uh i will tell you that a couple weeks ago i my my parent my dad called me i was on speakerphone and my mom thought that i was my brother yeah although my my brother came on this podcast and i think we sound very similar too so you yeah i think like you probably had the same similar experience too. right all right so i'm just gonna assume that that rat is rizzo's brother uh, as sure. as yet my brother has not been on this podcast would he like to be? I can't imagine he'd have a lot to say. <laughs> okay. He's a very funny, very kind, very funny man. He used to be a comedian, but uh, I don't think he'd... Oh. I think he'd watch this and be like, no, I don't need to talk about this. Eh. Yeah. Well, all right. Sure. Yeah. Um, Scrooge is asking about the eviction notices for tomorrow. Uh, Kermit points out that... See, I'm doing this again. I'm, I'm flipping back and forth. Is he Kermit? Is he Bob Cratchit? Whatever. Uh, yes. He the, says, the answer is yes. He is Kermit right. and he's he, Bob Cratchit. Right. He says, tomorrow's Christmas. And Scrooge says, very well, have them gift-wrapped. Yeah. Ooh, that's cold. I, um, I'm, I can't cool. repeat the word I wrote, um, but it, I wrote a very bad word when I said, uh, you may gift-wrap them, uh, make them come across like a reel, and then I won't repeat that word. Um, but I'm like, yeah, that is a cold. That is, a, that is an evil line. Yeah. I'd argue yeah. that, yeah. like, that shows he, just as much of his character as him throwing out Mr. Applegate. Yeah. Because you may definitely. gift wrap them like, oh, you evil so-and-so. Gift wrapping the eviction notices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never noticed this before, but I think when when Kermit is speaking here, you can see Bean Bunny peeking in the window. Oh, really? Oh, yes, you well, can we'll see too. see again in a minute, but yeah. My man. Kind of make out his, his sweater and his little scarf. Yeah. Uh, so the rats help Kermit slash Bob Cratchit with this giant pile of eviction notices. There's a cute little bit where they're kind of staggering in and out of the frame, trying to, to keep the, the, the giant pile balanced. Uh, Scrooge says that Christmas is a very busy time for them because people are spending their mortgage money on frivolities. Then he says one might. And that's where this clip ends. So, so we don't know l- what he's going to say. L- let me say that. People are spending their mortgage money on frivolities is not in the book. It's not, as far as I can tell, in any previous adaptation. But what it is, is an indication that Jerry Jewell knows how to make things sound Dickensian. It's very convincing, yes. And knows how to make his script. Like Like I already said earlier, blend in with the book. Like you would be forgiven for thinking it's from the book because it, it sounds close enough, right? It sounds enough like as solitary as an oyster that yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it, it yeah. sounds like something Ebenezer Scrooge would say. And it's so impressive to me. Like, I've seen this movie so many times and I never get over it. How much it feels like a Christmas carol all the time and how much yeah. it feels like the Muppets all the time. Right, you know? right. That, yeah, that's really interesting that that line is not 
from the book, but it's people talk about how this is perhaps the most authentic adaptation. And I guess that extends to not only adapting the book faithfully, but also even the stuff that's not in the book. Keep, seems keep like the spirit of book. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah. And, and do you care if I say the other, the other big thing here that's not in the book? Go for it. Which is Mr. Applegate. The, there's, there's no scene in the book where someone comes to the counting house and can't says he can't pay and gets thrown out. No, no customer at all in the book. No customer at all. What happens wow. in the book is Scrooge gets to work. We hear how cold it is. We hear that there's only one lump of coal in, in Bob Cratchit's fire. And uh-huh. then his nephew Fred comes walking in, which is going to happen shortly. But mm-hmm. there's no customer. And in the, the 1951 movie, which we've already discussed, the one with Alistair Sim, directed by Brian Desmond Hurst, that hmm. movie has a similar scene where a man begs okay. Scrooge for more time to pay him back. And Scrooge says, you know, pay it back or you're going to debtor's prison. Your wife will miss you. You know, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but, but like, I, as far as I can tell, that's where that comes from. Like a, a different film adaptation 40 years earlier. Okay. But, okay. but yeah, I think it's, I, there, there are several things in this movie and in, and in various adaptations that if you were to ask someone, like, is that in your Christmas Carol? Sure, of course it is. Yeah. Why, why would it be in this movie if it wasn't? Yeah. If it wasn't. But it isn't. Um, you, know? you ask about the, like, you've just mentioned the two main things that aren't in the book, which is the Frivolities line and Mr. Applegate. What then, because I haven't read the book, uh, what are the rats doing in the book? <laughs> <laughs> the rats are not in the book. But... They're in the alley that, outside. So. That's true. But but what I mean, They're though, Jared, of course, as you know, like, is... Uh, stuff that isn't specific doesn't feel specifically Muppety, right? Like obviously there's Muppet stuff. Yes, of course. That isn't in the book, but yeah, like plot stuff, some of it also isn't and feels like it would be. You know? Yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll get to and more of it in future episodes. There is some stuff with Gonzo and Rizzo that feels more just like contemporary comedy, but they also resist the temptation to put in like more. I don't know. There's a little bit more of that. We'll see that in a minute, I guess, too. But. Um, they resist the temptation to just fill it up with like pop culture references and just more yeah. like very wacky juvenile that's jokes it. and stuff there's, like that that I think a lot of people would do. There's a lot of like I'd say the most of not all this film's comedy is evergreen. Like there's no yeah. like none of the cameos. Like well, there are really no cameos, but like there's nothing right, that exactly. there's nothing that's going to date this movie. Nothing where in like you watch something like you know Muppets Most Wanted. A lot of those cameos will date that movie. In a hundred years, they'll go, right. "Oh, okay, I guess. Oh, that person was. Oh, that person was Oscar-winning Lady Gaga." But they watch yeah. this film, and they'll be able to watch this film and enjoy it just as much in a hundred years as they will now, or and in nineteen ninety-two. Well, and I think that's like we'll have we'll have plenty of time on this podcast to talk about how big of a disappointment I think Muppet Chris, Muppet Treasure Island is compared to this movie, but. But that's part of it, is that that movie is full of pop culture references that are just like, mm. oh, we're going to boldly go where no one has gone before. Oh, I have a future in the NBA. Blah. It's like none of it's funny. <laughs> it's all just like, here's a thing you might recognize. you know. And this movie has none of that. And I think it's so much better for it. Huh. That's interesting. That, that, well, that'll be even more interesting next season when we talk about Muppet Treasure Island. Right. I'm really, I'm but, really uh, excited to spend to spend a whole year talking to you about that movie because I, I know you like it a lot more than I do. So I, I think well, it'll be. Well, I thought I did. I don't know. We'll see when we get to the end <laughs> of that season. Oh, oh I hope I don't <laughs> ruin it for you. No, no, we'll see. 
I hope I like it more than I think I do. What if we swap places? That would be fascinating. So what that's if, wait, all I have for... So what what you're saying is that now you're Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. But by the end of that season, I'll be Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, That's all I have for these two minutes. Do either of you have any final thoughts specifically on these two minutes of the movie? Uh, There is a bit at the very start uh, that we skipped by that I had never noticed until uh, watching these clips, which is one of my favorite things about coming on this show. I always notice things that I'd never noticed before. Um, But at the very beginning, when they're all... um, scattering after Scrooge has turned around and looked at them, you hear just a deep voice, and I can't tell if anyone's lip-syncing it, um, but you hear a character with a weird, deep, goofy voice go, What happened? Hey, guys, what happened? <laughs> like he's walked in and gone, "What? What's hap- Why are we walking away? Like, we were singing. Um, and I've never noticed it before, but it's just like this dumb little <laughs> thing that like you can tell some puppeteer has just gone, I'm going to put this in. Let's see if they notice. Yeah, yeah. Really- <laughs> Yeah. That's great. That's funny. All right. Um, Anthony, do you have any, any more uh, for a curiosity no. shop segment today? Or was we, that, we, uh, we, we got to all it? of it. Excellent. So, uh, Jared, then we should ask you, as we do on this podcast, what is your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you ever saw it? Uh, where does it fit in your ranking of all the Muppet movies and so on? So, this film... I I would have been... When did this come out? 92, 93? 92. 92. Yeah, so I would have been three and a half when this movie came out. So long before my sort of Muppet fandom really blossomed. Um, I remember the first time I remember distinctly seeing this film, I was at a family friend's place and I would have... It was Christmas Eve and I would have been maybe six, seven around there and going oh okay this is interesting and then i remember watching it when i was 10 and hated it hated Uh. it with a fiery passion and i couldn't i couldn't quite describe why and then a few years later on tough pigs um danny and kynan were doing one of their sort of review things of it and kynan my week my week with Christmas christmas carol and kynan said uh, it's nice that the Muppets had a cameo in their own film. And I remember being like, <laughs> oh, yeah, because the Muppets are barely in it, and what, you know, I don't care about uh, Scrooge, and I don't care about these three other ghosts that aren't the Muppets. And it was probably not till, I'd say probably 10 years ago, I went, you know what, I'm going to watch it again. And now I, and then I was like, oh, okay, I can appreciate what they've done now. I can appreciate why the Muppets aren't the stars. I can appreciate why they've done different characters. I think the film is a horror film rather than a Christmas film. I have written about oh, yeah. that. Well, I, sure. as, I, as I said on the podcast, I think last week, at my school library, I have this book filed in the horror section. Yeah. And I, there's nowhere else to put it. No. I, I don't think there's any other appropriate place for it. No, I wrote a whole article on how this is a horror film and how it follows all the horror film tropes. Um, right. And... So I can appreciate it a lot more now. It's funny, though. I watched it last... So it became one of the things where I refused to watch this film in its entirety, at least. Like, I'll watch it now for you guys. But in its entirety, I refuse to watch this film unless it's December. And even then, I will push it as close to Christmas as I can. I watched it last year, 
and went, I think I've seen this film too much. Because I was sitting there, kind of twiddling my thumbs, playing on my phone, realised I hadn't paid attention to 20 minutes, and went, you know what, I think this needs to become an every, like, two or three year movie. Um, which is funny, like, sure. I watch, me and my friends, we get together uh, for Christmas, uh, a few days before Christmas, and we watch Die Hard. And then the next year, we watch Die Hard 2. And then we go back to Die Hard 1. And then we do Die Hard 2. <laughs> and I think if I watch Die Hard every year, I'd be the same. Whereas, it's one of my favourite yeah. films. So I think this is going to be one of those ones where I'll skip this year. Maybe I'll watch Very Merry Muppet Christmas okay. Carol. Not Very Muppet Christmas Carol. Very Merry Muppet Christmas movie because I hate myself. Um, I'll watch that <laughs> and uh, and instead, and then I'll go back to it next year. I just I don't want to find myself getting bored by this movie. Um, Ranking-wise, my rank changes so often. Depends on what I watch last. Muppet movie, yeah, Muppet movie is always number one. Um, I'd put probably uh, Most Wanted second, just because of the soundtrack and how funny that mm. film is. And then yeah. the others all mash up a bit, and then there's Muppets from Space, which I still appreciate, but it's still at the bottom. Sure. I think that's, that's sensible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So with that, then, we will wrap things up for this week. Listeners, make sure you check out toughpegs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Our logo is by Morgan Davey. Our theme music is by Stacey Rosen. We are on Patreon. You can support us there on patreon.com slash toughpegs. We would really appreciate it. You can also buy t-shirts and stickers and stuff on our Public page. Uh, so go check that out. You can buy a t-shirt uh, that says, I'm broccoli, like Jared happens to be wearing right now. Yep. Um, so uh, also you can uh, let us know what you think of this movie these minutes these episodes these clips Uh, you can drop by our Facebook page or our Twitter or you can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com or you can uh, drop by the Tough Pigs forum which is linked on the front page of toughpigs.com you can find me on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe Anthony is on oh I'm sorry I'm going to say that again you can find me on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe. I'm on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. And Jared, where can people find you on the internet? Come and find me on Twitter, which is at Jazz Fairclough. Um, I'm also on other things, but I'm probably not going to accept you on it. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, I also have. Oh, let me right. let me quickly. Uh, I also have a because I occasionally do some puppetry. Um, I also have a Twitter. Uh, not a Twitter, sorry, an Instagram, I should say, which is at Jazz Fairclough Puppeteer. Um, that's open. Come and look at some of the silly puppet things I've gotten to do. Cool. Do you have video yes, clips? Yes, I have that? video clips of oh. all the stuff I've uh, got to do. I am infrequently on Instagram, but I will make Please sure. Please come and visit. If I'm not already. Yes, I will. And everyone else should do that too. Uh, and everyone else should also give us a positive review wherever they can give us a positive review and tell all their family and friends and, uh, and rats that they work with that they know from work. And uh, <laughs> join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. I'm the stone you can't squeeze blood from, and that's the truth. Thank you for not shouting at me. <laughs>